You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into Loho Daily. I am Loho, a.k.a. Lawrence Holmes. Thanks for listening to my podcast. I wanted to talk about this. I've been discussing this over the last few days, and I guess really technically the last couple of weeks. But there's something that I feel like we should be paying as close attention to like we're paying to the growth and development of the quarterback. And that's the growth and development of the head coach. I was having a a really, what I thought was a really great discussion with, with Bernstein and Connor during our transition on Tuesday, where we were talking about not getting lost in the sauce as my man, uh, Tyler Jacobs would say, not getting lost in the sauce. And I think that for a lot of people who are fans of the Bears and particularly people who are covering the Bears, who are Bears observers, that's why I would call myself a Bears observer. I think it would it was a very easy narrative for the Bears to send out to the public that the reason that the 2018 season felt hollow and incomplete was because Cody Parkey double doinked a kick. It kind of became the, the mascot for the 2018 season that missed kick. And it was a running joke in the NFL, in NFL circles and NFL media. You've seen all of the stuff you, the Staley kind of, Fallen out, which is still really funny to me, even though it's not a a funny thing that happened to the Bears. But his reaction to it, I thought, was as clutch as a mascot can be uh, <laughs> in that moment. I'm I'm giggling even thinking about it because it's really really funny. What's not funny to me is there was this false sense of security. When it came to the Bears going into the 2019 season. And I think we're all a little bit to blame for that. And I'm hoping that we can. We make sure that we're looking at everything. Although I I guess it's, it's human nature to be more critical when things go wrong versus when things go right. Here's what I mean. Walking into this season, it felt as if the Bears were saying, if not for a kicker, we would have gone to the Super Bowl. Olin Kruitz joked about that on, on the football after show on Sunday. He said, oh, I thought that was the only thing. I mean, I thought, thought they were going to the Super Bowl if they hadn't missed that kick. And he's right. That was a prevailing feeling. A prevailing feeling around the Bears were, had the Bears just made that kick, then everything would have been totally fine. And they wouldn't have had any problems going out to L.A. and beating the Rams, going to New Orleans and beating the Saints, and then winning the Super Bowl. That's that. That's what we kind of allowed to settle in as what the Bears are focused on. And then we go to the offseason workouts where Matt Nagy is holding these this crazy kicker competition. And I think at the time we looked at it as charming 
And now the more I think about it, the more concerning it was, which is part of the reason that I want to talk about this particular subject. We are dissecting the quarterback like crazy and we should, and he's been bad. And I don't think that he is the future of the franchise at at that position. I don't think that we've done enough in really dissecting the coach. Here's where I would like, since he's big on on improvement, um, here's where I would like for him to improve. And I joked on the air, it's so funny. It's always so funny to me, like, what the score chooses for promos for the show. We'll be like, the Lawrence Holmes show, noon to two. Well, I said, kick him in the ass. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on the score. They they chose a soundbite of me talking about Matt Nagy and and him and Mitch talking about body language when they had that sideline thing at the end of the game where everyone was wondering what was going on. I think that that while Matt Nagy had assigned Mitchell Trubisky to go look at the TV copy of what happened in the game, I would assign him to do the exact same thing. He needs to understand what that looked like on Sunday night. On Sunday night, since no one really knew what was going on, since Bears PR didn't get the information to the broadcast teams, it looked like he was pulling his quarterback and telling them, hey, you just don't have it tonight, but maybe you know, you'll know you get back out there. The, it, the optic, the thing that he wants Mitch to worry about, was bad. And I think that he needs to work on that. In fact, I think that that's, I think that that is now become one of his, one of the things that I question is whether or not Matt Nagy has control of the sideline. Now, he was asked by Hub Arkish and John Moon Mullen, two guys that between the two of them seen, damn, like a hundred years of football. These are smart guys. They don't mess around. They have asked him over the last couple of weeks about giving up play calling. What's frustrating for me in his answers is this. Negi thinks that people are taking a shot at his play calling ability. And Bears fans would be justified in questioning his play calling ability. I don't look at it that way. I look at it as they're wondering, does Matt really have a good grasp of what's happening with his team? Can he is he capable of splitting focus between calling the plays and being concerned about the offense versus everything else that's happening? Sideline CEO, I've I've now trademarked that term. Sideline, are you a good sideline CEO? And it's difficult. It's a difficult task that he's never had to deal with. And when a team's winning, a lot of this stuff gets covered up. Because at the end of it, you just go, well, they won. So their lack of communication or communication issues don't really matter that much. Well, they matter after a loss like that on national TV. It matters when I think that the quarterback was put in a really bad spot. And how many times have I on this podcast talked about having some empathy for Mitchell Trubisky because of that. 
I don't think that that Matt Nagy's done a great job of putting his his quarterback in a position to succeed on the field, through play calling, or at the podium when it comes time for Mitch to either explain what happened or what didn't happen. And I think I think Nagy put him in a bad spot again on Sunday. But listen, I'm not on on NFL sidelines. I've covered him. I've been around him. I, I I have an idea of what it's like. I have an idea of the the cluster that goes on and all of the moving parts that a head coach has to deal with. So I asked Anthony Heron about this. Anthony played in the league for what five years. I had him on the show and I asked him about this. What's it like on the sidelines? It's absolutely bonkers. And no matter how much you watch NFL films, no matter how much anyone, you know, turns on some of these behind the scenes vignettes that you get of life on the sideline, the National Football League, you always got to remember, regardless of the thing with Sam Darnold with the I'm seeing ghosts, which is really a fairly innocuous comment anyway. It's a fairly common NFL jargon that's out there for when you're just not seeing the field well. But even with that slipping through, Everything you see is combed through and edited by the National Football League, so you still don't have a full sense, regardless of how many you know behind-the-scenes vignettes you watch, for how chaotic it is. It, it's bedlam on an NFL sideline because not only do you have more bodies, by comparison to any other professional sport, you have more bodies on an NFL sideline than you do compared to any, any other sport, but then also just the sheer testosterone that's there that's sort of required for excellence in professional football all the emotion, all the times that you you might have a camera who's kind of peering in on a moment and you're thinking that it's this heated exchange or teammates are going at it, and they're really not. They might be saying, I love you in the most angry-looking way possible just because that's what happens when you're in a National Football League game. You got all these dudes out there going at it, out there in situations of conflict between the white lines. Then you come to the sideline, and you don't immediately shut that off on the sideline. You're still in conflict mode mentally and emotionally. And so all those things enhance the chaos of it between the bodies and just the vigor that everyone's just kind of existing with for that three hours of the game as a head coach to be able to to manage that to oversee it there's so many levels to how you need to do that effectively and I do think Matt Nagy just with the the tenor of his players their attitude their regard for him I do think all those things operate at a pretty high level because I think they they respect him like, you know, like the Mark Trestman example is, is starting to come up for a guy who we thought he was a guru year one. And then year two happened is like things fell off the rails. I do think second year of Mark Trestman, we had more of a sense for the fact that the players didn't necessarily respect him, regard him in the same manner. Like I was with the Atlanta Falcons 2004, 2005, Jim Moore Jr. Now he was a defensive guy, but in a similar manner, he was the, the young hot stud coach who had this youthful sort of vigor to him, but also could could exude a level of machismo that 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 had some gravitas to it enough in the NFL locker room, even though he was a young guy. So like a lot of us in the Falcons locker room would talk about Jim Mora as a guy who, man, that guy, his energy. And back then it was a far more positive vibe. That that's dissipated a bit as he's been through the ringer over the years. But Jim Mora Jr. was a guy who was like, you know what? That dude's probably gonna be a college coach at some point too, just because of the way he carried himself. And Matt Nagy, I believe he's got a similar balance to what Jim Mora had back then where he's young, he's vibrant, he's positive, but he's still 
can carry the respect of the room as he addresses the team. So all those things, I believe, are positive for Matt Nagy. The problem is there are still a lot of those management issues that take place during the game, and and we're not quite sure what's going on with field position, what's going on with timeouts, what's going on with short yardage decisions, what's happening with personnel at different points, and how locked in he is on those personnel decisions. So that's the, the question for me. Is Matt Nagy improving in his handling of the game? Not the X and O coaching aspect of it. I I believe he understands X's and O's, although there are times when I do wonder why he continues to try and pound a, a square peg into a round hole. If he gave up play calling, and I'm not advocating that he do it, I do think that it would give him a a better idea of the mosaic. I do think that he is so inside his, his call sheet. He's so inside his offense. He's so inside of, of what he expects to happen on each play that I think that there are some things that are falling through the cracks. And when you win, those things can fall through the cracks and no one really cares. We have to take a closer look at and examine it when a team loses He's got guys with personal foul penalties. How many times is Anthony Miller going to cost the Bears something? He's always saying something, and I I don't like the idea of stifling guys' personality, but you also have to learn that there's a time and a place for everything. Same thing with Patterson on Sunday, where he takes his helmet off. We go back a couple weeks ago with Eddie Pinheiro. And Pinheiro saying, well, I kind of wanted the ball in the middle of the field and not on the hash mark. And Matt Nagy being like, oh, what? Like, no, we, we that's where we thought we were going to put the ball. And not having a great explanation on why there was a breakdown of communication between Eddie, the special teams coordinator, Chris Tabor, Matt Nagy, and then Mitchell Trubisky on where to down the ball so it gives the kicker the best chance. We can quibble over whether or not a kicker should be allowed to tell the coach where he wants the ball, but the idea of coaching is to put your your players in the best position to succeed. And the same thing happened Sunday night with Trubisky. Is Mitch hurt? And if he is hurt, why are you not getting that information out there? It's it, 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 it's akin to what happened with the Bears with Jay Cutler when Cutler goes out of the playoff game because no one kind of knew what was going on. And then the Bears figured out that he was getting crushed and then tried to double and triple back. If, if Al and, and Chris don't know what's going on, They can't relay it to the public, which is why I go back to the optics. I go back to what is it that you were conveying through your your conversation with Mitch on the sideline where Mitch looks like someone kicked his dog and you're hiding behind your play card, ideally to give you privacy in a place that's not private at all. You know where that, that could have taken place? You know what would have helped him out? If we see Mitch go into the blue tent or walk to the locker room, if we see a trainer go and check him out, I'm not 
I'm not fully convinced. I'm convinced that Mitch was hurt. I'm not fully convinced on when Matt Nagy knew he was hurt. Because if you knew he was hurt, why in the world would you send him on a third and one option play? Where he's probably going to get hit and you're asking him to plant on the leg that's bothering him, sprint out to the left, plant on the leg that's bothering him, and then pitch with the shoulder that's in a harness. It's stuff like that that I I am left wondering if he knows what he's doing. Overall, I'm not questioning his ability to learn and teach offense, but... I think that there are more things going on here. If he wasn't as concerned with what was happening with his offense, he might be more concerned with how to get Khalil Mack free of the double and triple teams. To work with Chuck Pagano. It's not for everybody. Being the head coach and the play caller is not for everybody. Even his boss, part of the reason that Matt Nagy is here is because of Andy Reid understanding that sometimes it's too much. It doesn't mean that he has to forever be away from calling plays. I'm just wondering if a little bit of perspective for him would be valuable. And I think it would be. And I'm I'm not going to fall into the trap again of just looking at this and and allowing the Bears to kind of dictate the message. It's all well and good when a team wins, but when a team loses, there are hard questions that should be asked and need to be answered. And one of them, one of the, the, the resounding questions that I'm stuck with is, can Matt Nagy run a team on game day? Is he a good sideline CEO? And the evidence this year says, I don't know. And the evidence last year is tainted because they won. Thanks for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at Lawrence W. Holmes, where you can follow me on Instagram as well. I have another podcast called House of L. This week, Joe Cowley is the guest. Wherever it is you consume your podcast, just search for it. You'll find it. I think that you'll really, really like the episode. It's very interesting stuff. Joe was fantastic. Thank you for uh, listening to this podcast. And remember, there are other episodes of this that you might like, like the episode where I talked about Yoan Moncada getting MVP votes. It's valuable stuff. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I'll talk to you soon.